I confess, I started masturbating at an early age. Seven, I think. Oh. Hmm? I would dry hump the floor. Yeah. Carpet. Carpet. <laughs> Until I climaxed. I didn't know what I was doing, so I just did it in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> parents, family, friends. But my parents told me to stop, so I couldn't do it in public anymore. But I continued in my bedroom. Mm. Of course you did. You might be doing it right this moment. (laughs) This podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please come back when you are of age. Welcome to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin-based live storytelling series featuring smart, sexy stories. The highlight of each show is the participation of the audience members who have a chance to share their own secrets, wishes, and regrets in the form of anonymous confessions, which are then read aloud during the show. The performance you're about to hear was recorded on April 16th, 2015. Sarah Henry takes to the bedpost stage for a second time to share her biggest fantasy. Here is Sarah. We met just over a year ago when I was in a really good place. I was finally moving forward with my career. I decided to quit my corporate job. I hated that fucking job and the last decade of jobs before it. I'd been planning weddings in my downtime, and I wanted to do it full-time. It was a huge step for me. I am risk-adverse and terrified of failure. But I figured I couldn't be any less happy. And when I made the decision to quit, it was like the universe opened up for me. I was blissfully happy, and my heart was open. I was literally breaking free into a new chapter of my life and career. I was chasing my dream, running after it at full speed. You could see the aura of excited energy around me, and people were drawn to it. He was recovering from heartache. But what I saw was a beautiful man with hope and fresh eyes. I threw him into my circle of friends, and he swam with us in the deep end. He effortlessly folded into my life like he always belonged there. We were instantly smitten with each other. But it didn't feel like that infatuated clinginess that happens sometimes when relationships are new. I still maintained my relationships and work outside of him, and he did the same. It felt like we were starting something really solid. Then after a few months, he told me he was moving home for a while. His family business needed him, so he left for another state, too far to drive on long weekends. Our budding romance became a long-distance love affair. And this distance forced us to get to know each other beyond a corporeal connection. Many times, when I would start dating someone new, I noticed a void where intimacy could grow. And I realized, to a certain extent, I controlled this void. In the past, I got easily bored with them and all the getting-to-know-one-another chatter, so I would end it in the most direct way possible. I would grab them by their shoulders and kiss them, slide my hand down their crotch. They would follow my lead, and fuck me, and then I would feel hollow. I felt like my heart was carved out with an ice cream scoop. 
Sex was a game I played with myself to see how hollow I could become and still survive. I didn't cuddle after we fucked. I didn't let them sleep over. I wanted to. I wanted to connect. But I was always looking for a better option. I didn't want to make the wrong decision or commit to the wrong person. I had built my identity on being the tough, yet aloof, uncatchable party girl who's not the type to settle down. I floated here and there like a hummingbird, moving quickly along before anyone could really see me. I was terrified that any real human connection would unleash the floodgates of my secret desires, the thing I can barely admit to myself. I want a family. But it doesn't look like a house in the suburbs with two kids and a minivan. I mean, but there is a house with a dog and a screened-in porch and fresh fruit and love. You know, where children may be mine. You know, they, they rush home from school. <laughs> Fucking, I'm flexible, right? Um, they rush home from school. Their faces are flush with winter wind. They place their shoes and coats in the entryway. And they enter the kitchen for the snack I've made them. They'll have sliced apples with peanut butter and homemade cookies. The kitchen is bright and warm. And my partner is there, too. Not in this scene, but there in the life we've built, the life where there is a strong and secure foundation and the possibilities for happiness span a lifetime. I have never dreamed about my wedding dress, but this same daydream of family and home replays in my mind constantly. He fits into this daydream like the scene from the movie in my mind. This is not the first story of its kind. Story of an aging third-wave feminist with a thudding womb and an empty chest cavity hiding her secret shame of wanting a family, something that it's okay for most women to have. Third-wave feminism has cautioned us against the fallacy of having it all. I would be the exception. Somehow I would have a career and a family and keep my identity intact. I felt like my identity of rejecting a family is way too established. I can't expect to have a family of my own. I don't really fully deserve this fantasy, this whimsy of my imagination. Too many times I have exercised my right to choose. Foolishly, I believed I could want this dream enough for the both of us. I tasted what my home looked like with him in it, and I wanted it. I'd felt the kiss of my life partner, like they say, you just know. With the physical distance of our relationship thrust upon us, all we could do was talk. We opened up to each other and bled. We had long conversations over the phone. We talked about who we were and who we wanted to be. There were multiple layers of connection. We were friends and lovers. I listened to what he sang. <laughs> we made dinner together over FaceTime. I sent him long handwritten love letters and packages in the mail. Technology allowed me to watch him shower in the morning and share 
late night masturbation sessions. We used all of the technology to keep us connected for as long as possible. I fly there, he flies here. Once a month, we see each other for four or five days. And his move became more permanent as his assisting the family business became running the family business. But I love him for this. I love his sense of familial duty. I love him for his talent, his passion, his incredibly honed ability to read people. He is beautiful and strong. He is the kind of man I want children with. And I'm honest with him in a way that I'm honest with my closest friends. Vulnerable, unabashed. And he doesn't recoil in disgust. He says, I am with you. I've got you. You are good. He says all the reassuring things I need to hear. He gives me love. Sweet and tender and real as the velveteen rabbit. Except he doesn't say, move here, spend your life with me, we'll figure it out. He says, I don't want to hurt you. I feel like I'm disappointing you. I say, you are hurting me. I am disappointed. Whatever, give him an ultimatum, they say, my loving friends, full of advice, and the perspective of distance. Uh, that, that just isn't really my style, though, you know? Insecurity, though, snags my confident air. My nerves, my heart are exposed. The insecure voice in my mind yells, oh, God, he doesn't really want me there. He isn't really ready to do this real commitment thing again. His divorce is fresh, and he's still reeling over the loss of his wife, his marriage. He still hurts and angry. If only our circumstances were different. If only he loved me a little more, then he would insist I drop everything and go to be with him because he just can't live without me. Perhaps if I were smarter or thinner or richer, he would and I could have this movie scene with him. Until then, I wait, pine, sob, start crying as soon as my eyes open in the morning. I haven't given up. Because that's not how you make a love affair that lasts 20 years. I resolve to wait. I self-sabotage in secret to save myself and buy time until we see each other again. I am starved for touch and affection. I isolate, eat my feelings, and stare dumbly into the screens of escape. I am paralyzed, waiting for him to decide he's ready to give me what I want. I am nervous to rub too much of the soap of self-worth on my body. I am afraid the power of its lather will scare him away and he will buckle under the pressure of my needs, my needs, which seem possible and ordinary to all people but me. Patience, experience has taught me that with men, it is sometimes better to wait, to be patient and sweet. And they will come around to giving you what you want. But there is a line between patience and foolishness. It's a blurry line, and I'm never quite sure when I've crossed it. But I feel foolish all the time. So that line must be back there somewhere. Thank you.
Sarah Henry is a native Austinite and an event planner extraordinaire. Find her at ohenryevents.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of MiaOnTop.com, Julie Gillis of JulieGillis.com, Sadie Smythe of SadieSmythe.com, and managed by Sarah Henry of Henry Events. Podcast audio production by Ian Danskin of Innuendo Studios. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at BedpostConfessions.com. Find Bedpost Confessions most active on Facebook and less so on Twitter. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, after being celibate for six months, I can sand wood with my hand. I confess. I had sex an average of three times a day for three months, no missed days, totaling on the low side 252 times. I know because I kept track. Of course you did. It's an INSTJ. That's really great. Myers Briggs. Check, check, check. (laughs) All right. I confess it's been almost two years since I've had sex. Today, my best friend offered to rid me. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I put an E on the end of the word and turned it into an. You know, on Electric Company, anyone old enough to remember Electric Company? Uh, uh, Rid. Right. Today, my best friend offered to rid me, no E, uh, of my pesky celibacy. I said no at first, but then I saw him naked. Now all I want is for him to fuck me over and over and over, arrow and over. (laughs) I support that.